family-owned shop in Loganville, Sosby's Garage, for all your automotive repair needs. We service all makes and models, Ford and domestic. We repair engines, alternators, brakes, alignments, AC systems, and more, using certified technicians with over 90 years of combined experience. We also offer same-day service for some repairs. Sosby's Garage, 200 Bay Creek Road in Loganville. Dependable, honest, and fair. Look us up on Google or Facebook. We'll take good care of you. Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett studio inside the Sonesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. It's time for Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. We are the cornerstone of security in the Southeast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. I'm your host, Rick Strawn, and president of Paradigm Security Services. We're excited to be with you again today on Business Radio X. We're broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio, located in the beautiful Sonesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel in Duluth, Georgia. In addition to Paradigm Security this Services, this show is also brought to you by Sosby's Garage. You heard a little clip from them on the beginning. And they are still looking for, and growing like crazy, they're still looking for some qualified mechanics They would really love to have somebody that wants a good job with good people to come in and talk to them. Uh, The intro had the information, and it's in Loganville, Georgia. Just look up Sosby's Garage. Uh, On every show, we feature businesses, organizations, and people in the Atlanta area, especially those that serve Gwinnett County. While all businesses have security issues, not all are about physical security, We'll touch on that and other related aspects of security as we go through the course of our shows. Everybody knows right now that it's coming up on election time. Uh, we've got our primary coming up on the 24th of this year, this month, and it's going to be here before you know it. It's just right around the corner. And one of the biggest issues, I think, in Gwinnett County uh, that's on that uh, is our school board. And there are a lot of questions and issues surrounding our current school board that a lot of people have many complaints. Seems like the majority of those are the parents that are involved. Uh, But luckily, we have a few people that are willing to stand up and take on the mantle and run to try to make our school, shall we say, put it back again the way it was. Uh, At least uh, with the quality and uh, the attention and the focus. And today, one of our candidates is I'm um, pleasured to have on my show. Uh, she is running for Gwinnett School Board in District 4. And she'll explain what District 4 is just to make sure that you know whether you're in it or not here shortly. But Dr. Alexis Williams, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you so very much, Mr. Rick, for having me on Case Point. I'm excited to be here today with you. Well, I'm excited to have you here. I want to, you know, I've I've thought a lot about it. I'm I'm not in your district, uh, so I can't vote for you. But one of the things I would like to do is to get your information out. Uh, You have uh, people running against you and competing with you. I've given them chances. I wanted to give you an opportunity to come in and state your case and what you think and how you feel. And uh, from our talk uh, before the show, I can see you have no problem telling what you think and how you feel. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. I guess that comes from me being one of 11. I have five brothers and five sisters, so we have a huge 
family. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's, where were you in that line? Top half. Top so half. we had it in halves. Yeah, I was in the top half, and I love it. I love big families. I love people, and I love the fact that I'm able to be here to share the passion that I have to ensure that our children receive a world-class education. Well, I know you like big families because you have one yourself. What, <laughs> six, six kids? Yes, we have six beautiful children. We call them affectionately the sensational six. I love it. <laughs> well, you got a substitute for your basketball team as yes. you move through. <laughs> You know, one of the things I like to start out these shows with, because a lot of people really don't know the person, mm-hmm. um, exactly who is Alexis Williams? Yes. Well, I am a people person. I love people. And as I said before, I've had the benefit and the privilege of being raised in a large family, a very strong, loving Christian home. And I am the mother of those six beautiful people. And I have also had the privilege of being married to my best friend for the last 24 years of my life. Awesome. And um, I've been able to earn my bachelor's degree, my master's de- degree, my juris doctorate degree. And I am a licensed attorney. Quick story about that. I'm a licensed attorney in California because- I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I, <laughs> let me I'm tell kidding. you the, the, the funny part about this. So I was looking for a Christian law school. And they are very few and far between. So I actually found one out of all places in California. God certainly has a sense of humor. He's trying to help them out. He's helping them out. And you know what? Uh, For anyone, any of your listeners that are interested in going and, and getting a law degree, looking for a Christian perspective, Oak Brook College of Law and Government powerful in fact they have one of the highest pass rates of the hardest bar in the nation that's awesome. the california bar and i was able to graduate with honors and i also passed that bar so um i am a licensed attorney in the state of california i am also a business owner a pastor's wife and most importantly a concerned and active citizen here in gwinnett county for the last 21 years so that gives you kind of an overview of who i am that is uh that's a lot to st- just to start off with uh, I can only imagine the experiences you had outside the university system when you were in California. So that would be quite a contradictory, you know, a Christian college in California. Um, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that on another show. But, you know, there's a lot that it takes to get in, to get a person to actually choose to run in any type of political race. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the minute you do it, people are going to start, uh, they're going to try to find everything they can bad about you. They're going to talk, they're going to talk bad about you. They're, you know, they're going to have something to say that's negative. Oh, yeah. And so you get a lot of people that just, they would love to do it, but they just, they just don't want to go through that mess. Mm. What motivated you to run for Gwinnett County School Board, District 4 seat? District 4. So let me... Quickly address. Yeah, tell me where District yeah, 4 is. District 4 covers the Snellville area, the Lilburn area, and parts of Grayson. So if you're looking at clusters, we are the South Gwinnett cluster, the Brookwood cluster, the Parkwood cluster, and the Shiloh cluster of schools. Okay. So that incorporates District 4. And so I was motivated, Rick, because I believe in both the vision and the mission of Gwinnett County Public School System. So the vision is for an educational elite status of world-class schools, that's the vision. The mission is to pursue excellence in academic knowledge, skills, and behavior for each child. Both of them were in danger. 
And I'm also motivated because as a mother of six, I have a vested interest in ensuring that my six children and the 180,184 children that are currently enrolled in the Gwinnett County Public School System receive that world-class education that they so rightly deserve. And for the past 21 years, I've been serving our children in the non-for-profit sector. Uh, I have been volunteering my time, not getting compensation for it, because I feel that I have a responsibility. I feel every one of us that have an opportunity have a responsibility to help provide a wholesome, well-rounded education for our children. And that's why 17 years ago I started the Young Lawyers and Legal Professional Program. And that's a legal explorers, explorers program where we enable our children to have an ask, to, to have an opportunity to see all aspects of the legal career. Um, I believe very strongly, Rick, that our children can't be what they do not see. So I believe in exposing them to opportunities, to possibilities. That's why 13 years ago I started the Youth Leadership Development Scholarship Program, and that's a program for Gwinnett County students here where we teach them student leadership, we teach them civics, community service, entrepreneur skills, job readiness. Um, 10 years ago, I started our annual spring break college tours. And now, Rick, I don't know about you, but I have been, been with a bunch of middle and high school students. These are overnight trips, three-day trips. We started down South Georgia, and then we bring them all the way up. On the third day, we end at uh, North Georgia at UGA. And I do this, and it always follows. Spring break here in Gwinnett County falls on my birthday. So that's one of my pay-it-forward type things awesome. that I do, um, but it's necessary to help our students be exposed to these opportunities, to see themselves on these colleges and universities and to envision themselves going there. And that's why I do it every year. I didn't get a chance to do it this year because I'm doing these things every day, mm -hmm. you know, on the campaign trail. But um, most recently, Rick, I, I'm very excited about uh, the program that I started, the Inner Me Beauty Pageant. And the Inner Me Beauty Pageant is something I've done, started um, this year for our high school young ladies through the PTSA. I'm, I serve as a vice president of the Parent Teacher Student Association. And that's where we're teaching them inner qualities, um, integrity, compassion, positive self-esteem, community service, those types of things. And that program starts in March and it just culminated May 6th. And so I was very proud to be able to be on that stage and give out thousands of dollars of scholarships to our contestants that were the winners. And so these are the types of things that we do. It's a dedication that I have because I have a passion to ensure that my six children and all of their peers have a solid educational foundation. And, and that's going to equip and prepare them to serve as leaders on the global landscape. And so um, my main thing, Rick, is to ensure that our children are mastering the basics in education. That's reading, writing, arithmetic, STEM, and civics. And so that's what I've been doing, and that's why I'm motivated to preserve and to protect that world-class education that our children deserve. Well, it is, I really like to hear when you put the word civics in there. Yes. Because there are so many of our students that don't seem to get much as far as civics, how this, how everything runs. Mm -hmm. And that is so important. Yeah. Uh, we've, uh, we've forgotten, there are so many adults that don't even realize how the country runs, what how our republic is set up. Yes. Uh, they think that, no, we're just a democracy when, no, we're a democratic republic. That's right. But they don't know what that is. Mm. There should not be a one child leave young adult leave school in a system that does not know how our government functions and the purpose behind it how it started all the legitimate how it started 
I mean, have we made mistakes? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But there's not a better place or a better form of government set up than the United States of America than for what we do and what we have to offer. And that's my soapbox. But oh, I completely <laughs> agree. Well said. And when we, when our children are not understanding the concept behind civics, it also causes them to lose the value and the worth that this country has provided. Or so. gives them the, loses the value of what it means to be a citizen of this country. That's what right. benefits you really have. That's right. One of the things that uh, is discussed a lot is the funding that gets diverted from time to time, or can be from Gwinnett County to private to private schools, mm -hmm. from the public school system to the private school system. Do you support that funding being diverted if it's best for the child? That's a great question, Rick. A lot, in fact, a lot of people are asking and want to know that because, so what we're talking about is this school choice, mm -hmm. the, the option of school choice. So let me give you a quick overview of what our Gwinnett County Public Schools annual $2.3 billion budget entails. So, Currently, our $2.3 billion, billion budget has the state funds that's to the tune of $967 million. Um, it's also comprised of the local revenue source, which is about $789 million. And then we have the federal, the federal revenue, that's about a million dollars. But don't forget, this year, we received $32.3 million from the Federal CARES Act mm -hmm. due to the pandemic. So out of this $2.3 billion budget, each of our 180, 184 children that are currently enrolled in the system, uh, they're allocated, they receive $10,253 per this year towards their educational costs and the needs. So when we're talking about school choice, we're, these dollars, we're specifically talking about $6,000 of that $10,000 plus. Um, being able to move with that child from public school to private school or from public school to homeschool to help with resources like uh, tutors, books, et cetera. So yes, Rick, I am a proponent of school choice and any bills that allow parents and their children the choice as to which schools they want to attend. Um, I don't believe that it's wise to mandate and to lock a child into attending a school specifically based on their zip code. Everywhere I go, Rick, I applaud our Gwinnett County Public School System for the awesome education that we provide. After all, we, we're known. People move here to our county specifically for Gwinnett County Public School education. Have in the past. And, and businesses, we attract businesses here in the past, you're right, specifically because of the educational system. But what happens when we have schools that are consistently failing students? Or what happens when you have students whose needs are so unique that the school that they're attending can't meet those unique needs? Um, and so I don't think that it's an, a good idea to have those, those students locked into that system because they don't have another option. And so I do support school choice and I feel that it helps to keep public school, our public school educational system competitive, Rick. That's what I feel school choice does. It helps to keep our public school system competitive, just like in our free market society. We thrive and consumers win and receive that superior quality product because of our competitive market system. And I feel that our educational system should be no different. I feel that uh, that's why I support programs like our uh, student goal program, 
where you can actually, parents can defer their income tax to private schools uh, on scholarship money. And Rick, we're currently doing this right now with our Georgia Pre-K program. If a parent who lived in Lawrenceville wanted to get up every morning and take that child to a Brookwood Georgia Pre-K program, that money will follow that child from Lawrenceville to Brookwood. We do it in our post-secondary educational system with our um, Pell Grant program. Mm -hmm. If a student who graduated from South Gwinnett High School wanted to go to Florida State University, that money, that Pell Grant money is following that children, that child to Florida State. And so we do that currently. Why not do it for our K-12 program where our parents and children have a choice to attend the school that best serves their needs? And so supporting school choice, for me, it doesn't mean that I'm not supporting public education. No, in fact, it's just the opposite. I'm in the persuasion that school choice will actually help to make our own public school system more competitive, and that is a win for our children. Absolutely. I've got a, a special needs grandson in the autistic range. Mm -hmm. And he just he couldn't fit in. There, was, there were issues. He couldn't go into public school. Yeah. We tried that. didn't work. Uh, Gwinnett County system just it couldn't handle him. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's really not even really, you know, what I would tell you to the, on the outside as far as the extremes. Mm -hmm. But he has done very well and flourished in more of a homeschool system at times and working through the out of the home with private tutors and doing, right, right. you know and that's something that anything that he has benefit to that our taxes pay for he should be allowed to make sure that that takes care of him too yes so it is very important especially for people with special needs kids yes. to be able to make that transition yes uh going to gac for example that mm -hmm. should be able to go there it's an extremely qualified school i've got a couple of grandkids that go there um, I, my my kids went through Gwinnett County Public Schools, and so you know it's one of those things where, is it uh, is it something to look at and different? Yes, is it beneficial? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And what are we for? We're for trying to benefit our children, yes. and the taxpayer has the right to be looking at that and following those kids. So I totally with you on board on that yes i agree school choice needs to be an option yep well currently there seems to be a division between parents and the gwinnett county school board mm. uh, and i would say that's a pretty big division considering mm. all that's going on <laughs> uh, do you agree with that conflict that conflict number one exists and if so how can you work to restore mutual trust between those two parties yes which Rick. is a job it is now i completely agree that Anyone who's been watching, in fact, and connected to the events that have taken place in the Gwinnett County Public School System and the school board would certainly agree that over the last two and a half years or so, uh, there has been a growing conflict between parents and the school board leadership. Um, parents have been really vilified. pushed out, yes, vilified and pushed out of the decision-making space, and mm -hmm. that's a problem. Parents are our children's most important child advocates in what I call the educational triad. Amen. And their voice needs to be the loudest. And I really feel parents should be welcomed as collaborative partners at these decision-making tables. And what they say really should matter. I mean, parents and our classroom teachers, they know best how to teach our children effectively. And... Um, 
and they really deserve the loudest voice in the room. But sadly, it seems that the opposite is true with this board. And I've witnessed systems that are being put in place to shut out that parent voice. And so that is, that is a reality. So how do we work to restore a mutual trust between the parents? That's the question. And I've already devised a plan to begin a monthly Gwinnett County Parent Forum. And what I'd like to do is to leverage what is currently in place through the PTAs and the PTSAs. Um, that's a group, as you know, that has already in place with parent attendees, parent members. And what I want to do is every month, I'm going to be coming to various PTAs at our local high schools. And I'm going to be sitting with these parents and sharing with them um, updates, information about uh, relevant educational bills that have come down that are going to impact our children and laws that affect our children in the GCPS system and also to provide input on matters that impact our children's educational system and get that feedback from the parents so that I know how to operate when I go back to make those decisions on the board. Also what I'd like to do, I, see, I would like to create school board governing policies that remove these new restrictions that have been placed on parents designed to shut the parent voice. I, when I come in, one of the things I plan on doing is removing those policies. A lot of people don't understand the significance of this District 4 seat. Rick, this is the make it or break it seat. This is the seat that will give us the majority vote that we need back to come in and correct a lot of the, uh, for lack of a better word, foolishness that has been instituted on the board. That was very nice. <laughs> yes, I, I'm going to keep it nice. <laughs> so this is, it's, it's crucial that we get this seat recaptured so that we can make sure that we keep the main thing the main thing, which is to ensure that our children are mastering the basics and that they're receiving the education that they, de that they deserve. And so making sure that parents are welcomed back into the collaborative as collaborative partners into the decision-making tables is very important for me and this is one of the ways we're going to do that well I know sitting back from a uh, parent former parent of kids that went through the school system the way it was mm -hmm. to grandkids that tried to go through the school system to uh, there are some very good groups on Facebook that are parents talking about I'm not much on a lot of the Facebook stuff mm -hmm. But these groups where the parents are talking about experiences as they go through these visits for the boards, yeah. what I see on the media, what I have seen at the board meetings, is just a it's it's a total complete effort to basically say we are the ones that deal with this. We are the ones that have the power. We are the people that make the decisions. We don't need to hear from y'all because y'all don't understand. As parents, you don't. You may understand your child when they're home, uh, when you're with them, when they talk to you, but we hear a different story, and we're going to create the narrative around this story to where the power is we have control for the, a reason that we know what's best. We know better than the parent. And excuse me, but parents are there for a reason mm -hmm. you know we bring up our kids we have much more of a responsibility from our end of it than really the school does and the school has a tremendous responsibility to educate not indoctrinate that's but right. educate mm -hmm. our kids that's right and right now my feeling and a lot of parents feelings is that they're failing in that oh yeah 
they're they're aimed at areas that aren't education. That's right. And reading, writing, arithmetic, civics, uh, like you say, the STEM, mm-hmm. they're not they're not focused in those areas yeah. near as much as they should be because they're trying to dilute it with other stuff. Yes. And that has and that parent if you have a large number of people that are parents at a board that are angry and raising hell and they're just a small fraction of the people that are angry mm-hmm. and raising hell because everybody couldn't get in the room. Right. There might be a problem. Yeah. Let's say it's uh famous comedians you might have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> but you know yeah. something's got to be done we need to get back to the root of what our issues are mm-hmm. and the root of education yes and we in the and we have strayed a long way from that we certainly have and one thing this that straying away has caused us to be seated currently in the 66th slot in education here in the state from the number one from the number one, and these are based on the standardized test scores that were released by the Georgia Department of Education. That screams that something we're doing in the last two and a half years is certainly amiss and certainly out of order. And when you push uh, parents out of that process, you know, and, and when you when you try to take on this ideology that you are the educational gods and you don't need to hear from the ones that are that birthed these children, <laughs> that's, a, yep. that's a travesty. And, and it really is a disservice to our children and to our world-class educational system. No, I absolutely agree. We have, we have come down so far from where we were, mm. and there's one reason, and that's the people on this school board making the decisions. Yeah. Yeah. That's at least my opinion of it. You know, we talk a lot about getting back to the basics and how we strayed from the basics. Yes. And one of the biggest things that people talk about is the critical race theory. Mm. And as a and it's very controversial topic, yeah. um, and it's it seems to be sweeping our academic instruction uh, institutions. We have there's a lot of people say well it that doesn't exist. Well, it's amazing that most of those people that say that are the people within the school board and within the school administrations. But the evidence is there that it does in fact exist. You can call it anything you want to. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you call it. Alice, you know, Alice in Wonderland theory, but you know, it is what it is, mm-hmm. and it's the whole function of how it teaches. What's your stance on this CRT? First off, Rick, thank you for asking me this question. Uh, and yes, my opponents, in fact, are saying CRT doesn't exist. That's they crazy. say they're saying, oh, it doesn't appear in black and white in the AKS. But I know that it is coming in to our system through supplemental means. In fact, I've seen it myself. And so here's my stance on CRT, it's very clear. I'm all for our students being taught our history and understanding our history. And that means the good, the bad, bad. and the ugly, right? I believe strongly in full disclosure. After all, we don't know our history, we're likely to repeat it. Amen. But here, the proponents of this CRT teach this divisive concepts that one race, the white race, is inherently superior to another race. The, the, the CRT teaching is lies. It teaches that blacks will always be inferior based on the color of their skin. Absolutely. It teaches that the United States is fundamentally racist. These are the lies that CRT teaches mm-hmm. and assigns fault and blames to whites simply because of the color of their skin 
And it claims that because persons are born white, they consciously and subconsciously, by virtue of their race, are inherently racist and inclined to oppress blacks and other minorities. This is the teaching. It teaches that whites bear individual responsibility for all racist actions that were committed in the past by all other whites. The problem is when people seek to place the burden of guilt on the backs of innocent children, Rick, that's a problem for me. Absolutely. No child of any race, any creed, or any color should be made to feel responsible for wrongs that were committed in the past. And I feel we should never seek to place the burden of guilt on the backs of our innocent children as some form of reparation for the wrongs or the sins of others. This is completely wrong and this should not take place. We can't use racism to eradicate racism. Absolutely. And CRT is racism in reverse. This really violates everything that the late great Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. stood for. That was going through my mind yes. right now. Yes, because you remember he taught, he stood for us judging a person by the content of their character. Exactly. Not the color of their skin or the character of their ancestors. And critical race theory, it's a it's a racist theory and it's not based on facts. Well, based on all critical race theory, why are you here? Because I don't need to have you here. I'm white. I would mm. not have you here if that was the case. Yeah. Because I would only have the white people on my show. Exactly. You know, and and to that point, it's not because I'm anything special. It's just that I am a reflection of what the people think today. Mm -hmm. And when I look across the table at you, I see a person that is very passionate about our kids. Yes. I don't. I see a mother. Yes. I see a wife. I don't see a black person across the table. It's not that. And it is totally gone against everything that Martin Luther King fought so hard for. And what really I don't understand, I guess, the most is there's so many people that fought side by side with him mm -hmm. that are supporting critical race theory. I don't understand it. I, I can't wrap my head around it because if anybody, these people should be standing up and saying, no, we are not going down this road. Yeah. And, and a lot of the true um, patriarchs of, of that movement are against it, are against this CRT. Honestly. They need to speak up more. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? The, and this is what we need to be protecting our children from, this divisive critical race theory. When you think about it, Rick, this group of students that are, that are coming up now, this generation that is coming up now, they are one of the most diverse uh, generations that it, they, they're not hindered by, you know, the racist ideologies from our past. They, I mean, when you go into, the, I'm in the schools all the time. When you go into the schools, you'll see these children are interacting one with another. They don't see color. So isn't it just like the devil to try to come up with something that will try to divide our nation? You need to stop and look at what you're next to. Yeah. You know, you, you're not looking at it right. There mm -hmm. is a difference. You are oppressed or you are an oppressor. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. These kids haven't oppressed anybody. Oh. They don't they they they're not being oppressed by the people there. No. These are friends. Yes. And yes. that's what the whole idea was was for us to be learn to get along yes. and work together and treat each other as people and as friends. Mm -hmm. And the direction that they're pushing right now is to completely reverse everything that's been done 
divide it, create that division Mm -hmm. and that animosity between the two. Yes. Because the people that are told they're oppressors, they get frustrated. They have resentment Mm -hmm. that, that they're being told they're oppressors. They seem to forget the people that are oppressed. They're trying to build the resentment in them mm-hmm. by telling them they're oppressed. Yeah. You know, people need to get over this crap. Yeah. We have to see it for what it is. It's exactly. specifically designed to divide us. Absolutely. And when, we, our, when our eyes are open to that truth, we're able to see it for what it is and cast it out. That's why I'm fighting against this. That's why I'm fighting against this and making sure that it does not appear its ugly head in our Gwinnett County public school system. It's a dis- it's a distractor. Oh, it's absolutely yeah. a distractor, and it's just totally negative. Yes. Well, Gwinnett, Gwinnett County is experiencing a loss of quality educators. I mean, they're leaving the county and or or even the profession as a whole. What's your plan to help retain the quality educators in Gwinnett County and keep them here? Yes, we've got to keep them here. It is true. We're losing some of our quality educators to low pay, low teacher morale, um, high paperwork and administrative tasks that are really serving as a burden on the backs of our teachers um, and are reducing their time with the children that they love. And so what happens, Rick, is that this negatively impacts our children when our quality educators leave because when they leave, they take with them thousands of hours of teaching, they take with them years of experience. And all that they knowledge. All that knowledge, that creativity, all of that is go- goes out the door with them. Some of our teachers are actually even going to other professions, mm-hmm. you know? And so this, how do we retain our quality educators here in the county? And I've created an educational think tank, which is for teachers and by teachers, and it's, designed specifically to address the loss of our quality teachers here in the county. So we have a two-fold plan of attack currently. One, we're analyzing and unpacking the key reasons why our quality educators are leaving. And then two, we're identifying ways to address, to minimize, and to resolve these issues with viable, common-sense, teacher-focused solutions. So my goal is to listen and to act on the suggestions and the path forward strategies that have been identified by the teacher advisory panels that's in place. Mm -hmm. And then to take advantage of those opportunities to eliminate the unnecessary tasks that we're burdening our teachers with and also help bring that positive energy and excitement back into their work environments. I was just at the the last school board meeting where I presented uh, to the board and Dr. Calvin Watts because we have a $25 million surplus from this year's budget sitting in the budget. And so one of the things I asked for as part of our teacher retention program, I said, why not use the $25 million that we currently have in the budget and divide it amongst our 13,250 plus teachers as a teacher incentive retention program. And I said, in exchange, we can ask our teachers to remain with us for at least three years. And that would be a way to help, uh, one, make sure that our teachers are getting paid additional monies, but also to ensure that our te- our children have that stability that we need. We need those quality educators to help pour into them, especially in this season that we're in. So uh, the good news is that I, I got the report that came out that the board did listen to a portion of what I suggested, and they did get, they're going to be giving a portion back of that money back to our educators. So that's a good thing. Yeah, and I don't even think it's all about money with most of the really qualified teachers. Mm. They're, 
they're like police officers. That's my background is law enforcement. And I didn't go in it for that. I damn sure didn't go in it for pay. Mm-hmm. I went in it because that's where my heart took me and told me that's what I wanted to do and gave me all the reasons to do what I did. Mm-hmm. Many, many educators, the really good ones, are there because that's their calling. Yes. That's their where their heart is. Yes, they need money. Yes, they want money. Uh, as a police officer, I always felt underpaid, mm-hmm. but I didn't quit. Right. And I stayed with it for 25 years. But And it wasn't because I couldn't get another job. Mm-hmm. And that's what, where teachers are. But it helps to reward them at the same time to give that extra motivation to, you know, they really care, that yeah. type of attitude. Yeah, I agree with that because teachers need to feel like they matter and what they say, their voice matters, their input matters. And that's something that we're working on to help create that environment where they feel they matter. Because you, you, you said it, th- that calling that they've been called to to serve our children, when they feel valued and appreciated and heard, they'll stay there, even though the pay may not be what it should be. They may argue and they may complain and yeah. they may push, but they'll stay where they want, where they want yes. to be. So, well, I got one last question for you. What should our school district Mm -hmm. be doing or be putting in place to ensure the safety of our students and staff? Mm. It's a biggie right now, especially with all the recent things that have happened. Yes, yes. And from your background as Paradigm Security Services, security is a big deal. And it's a big deal for me, too. Every one of our students, our teachers, our staff, They have a right to remain safe and feel protected while they're in our school buildings, on our school grounds, on our school buses five days a week. And they deserve the right to immediate safety and security from trained professionals too. And so I'm in these school buildings three or four times a week and sometimes things break out very quickly. They do. it's crucial for us to have our school resource officers present and on hand. So yes, I support the roughly 100 school resource officers that we have in Gwinnett County Public School Systems that service 141 of our school buildings. Um, I recognize the critical role that they play to protect our children, our students, and our staff, um, our teachers, and in preventing inappropriate behavior from breaking out on these campuses. I also see when our school resource officers, Officer Williams, I see Officer Taylor, Officer um, Floyd, they're in our cafeterias, they're walking the halls, they're they're serving as mentors and role models to our children. I see this, and I see them educating our students and parents about safety issues. Uh, But I also support and recognize the need for additional counselors, Rick. Mm -hmm. I really feel that as a form of intervention in the disciplinary process we need additional counselors um in other words not just take them and suspend them that's right let's counsel them and find out what the problem is not just put a band-aid on it yes yes that makes a lot of sense the counselors have been trained specifically in these areas and currently our Gwinnett County Public School counselors I really feel they're too few in number and they're spread too thin based on the number of students they have to service we determine the number of counselors in each school here in Gwinnett County Public School System through a formula. But, Rick, I feel that formula needs to change because we need to increase the number of counselors. Ask in yourself a question. How old is that formula? Mm, that's a very good question. You know, how much have we changed since that formula was developed? Yes. Uh, I, would be, I don't know that answer, but I would be willing to bet it's been a lot of years since that formula was developed. Yeah. 
that is something that I'm going to be looking into when I get on that board because we need to increase the number of counselors because when we increase these counselors, I really feel that it will help mitigate some of the behavioral issues that are presenting in our schools. Well, I, I'm, I'm very much, I mean, just things like recently having someone shoot at a school bus. Mm. Absolute insanity. Yeah. Now, is that something that a resource officer could help? No. It's not anything anybody could stop. Mm-hmm. But what is the problem? What was the what caused that? What was wrong with this person? Yeah. Um, and the and the and and don't get me wrong. The the answer is not gun control because that person d- don't know where they got it. They could get it anywhere. That's that's not a problem. Mm-hmm. But the problem is with people that have that thought process. Yes. So you have to be able when it comes to that point. There's some kids there that need a little counseling. Yes. That's not something that the resource and officers and everything, the police can handle. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like a police officer. When I first went into the work of policing, mm-hmm. I went into the idea, I'm going into this, I'm going to be able to help people, I'm going to be able to do this, that, the other. It took about two months for me to realize as a young rookie officer that that's not what police do. Mm-hmm. Police officers are there after it hits the fan. Yeah. It's already in full engagement generally when you get there. Then you have a crisis intervention type position mm-hmm. to where you have to defuse the situation. Right. That's, how you, that's how police officers help. They don't, they don't, I mean, community relations part of the police department, yeah, they interact with the public, they work in that way, but the, your officer on the street, he's there after that stuff's hit that fan the peanut butter's hit the fan as they say Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um and but the thought process has to change you either you either adapt or you end up finding another job yeah Uh, you have to accept the role that you're there for and make the and do your best to move forward on that role that's the same way with our counselors the same way with our teachers Mm -hmm. you have to look at the situation that exists learn to adapt to the situation that you're presented with and then start dealing with that issue. Right. And that's that's why we, I, I happen to agree with you, that's why we need more counselors in a school. Yes, I agree. I agree. Well, gosh, I, really, I, I could talk with you for another hour. I have enjoyed this, Rick. I, I've really enjoyed it, too. And like I say, there's so many more questions I could ask you, but unfortunately our time is up. So if people want to get in touch with you, and help you out, Alexis, in, in any way they can. Or you know, you're coming up. We're we're a week from I guess a week from today. Yes. Uh, to that election, and I I did go vote yesterday. Awesome. So I got that out of the way, and I wanted to make sure that whether I was no matter what happened, I got mine in, and I hope that everyone else will do that. But I want to emphasize one thing that I always talk about. Mm-hmm. And that is, it is absolutely important that every person vote. Yes. But there is also one thing that is equally as important, and that is you need to vote informed. That's right. Learn what the people think Mm -hmm. that you are considering voting for. If you look at a ballot and you don't have a clue who's on that ballot or what they stand for, I would almost be willing to say you need to put the ballot back and go home. Definitely done yourself a disservice. Yeah, you've done the country a disservice. <laughs> yeah. You've done your community a disservice. That's right. Know what they, I'm not saying that it has to agree with the way I think, mm-hmm. but at least know that they agree with the way you think. That's right. 
So Volden Forms, so if they want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? They can always check me out at www.votealexiswilliams.com. And don't forget, May 24th, Vote Alexis Williams for <laughs> School Board District 4. <laughs> hey, uh, you're hired. Um, okay, well, thank you for joining us on Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services and in part by Sosby's Garage. Be sure to join us for the live broadcast every other Wednesday at 1130 a.m. Here on Business Radio X, be sure and get out there and vote. If you miss the live broadcast, don't worry. You can enjoy the show anytime you want by visiting businessradiox.com, selecting the Gwinnett Studio, and then clicking on Case in Point. If you want to listen to our live shows, all you have to do is go in there and click on Gwinnett Studio and then click on where it says Listen Live at the time that the show comes on, which again is 1130. This program is also available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or really about 15 shows, wherever you enjoy your favorite podcasts. Please be sure to subscribe. Hit that subscribe button to Case in Point so you don't miss any of our future episodes. For my guest, Dr. Alexis Williams, and my producer, Mike, I am Rick Strawn, and remember, at Paradigm Security Services, we cover more than just your assets.